All right, good morning. We're back uh, to do this morning Bible study, and we're continuing through our Bible reading plan. And once again, Mr. Oscar is here to join me. Thank you for joining us today, Brother Oscar. Thanks for having me. And uh, we're going to jump right in, try not to waste too much time. Let's check out Isaiah chapter 49. Our plan calls for 49 and 50 today. Uh, uh, quite a lot of content. Let's see what we can cover. All right, so uh, let's pray. Let's believe God for this for this Bible reading that God would speak to us. Lord, I thank you that you brought us together for this Bible study, Lord, and I'm praying that you would reveal and enlighten your word to us, that the Holy Spirit would be active through every word, God, that we would be able to extract not just the meaning of what we're reading, but God, what, what it means in real life, in tangible terms, Lord, for how we can live today, how we can greater serve you, and how we can make heaven our home, God, and gain reward for your kingdom and for your glory. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, yes. I learned a long time ago as a new convert that... Uh, if I pray before I read, I'll get a lot more out of it. Absolutely. <laughs> so, let's see. Verse, chapter 49, verse 1. So, listen, O coastlands, to me, and take heed, you peoples from afar. The Lord has called me from the womb. From the matrix of my mother, he has made mention of my name. And he has made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. And he has made me a polished shaft. In his quiver he has hidden me. And he said to me, You are my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for nothing and in vain. Yet surely my reward is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now the Lord says, Who formed me? from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, so that Israel is gathered to him, for I shall be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Indeed, he says, is it, a, is it too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Israel and to restore the preserved ones of Israel? I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Okay. So this is, uh, let, let's get the position of who's speaking to who here. And we can be clear on who is speaking and who is the audience. Always important to be clear on that. Mm-hmm. So who would you say is, is speaking and who is the audience? Well, my Bible indicates red letters. Uh, so to, is that God speaking to Isaiah? Sure. Yep. So uh, I think I think there's there's also um, there's there's God speaking through Isaiah to Israel. There's there's a couple of places where he's quoting, like in verse three, mm-hmm. he said to me, that's that's God says to me, the prophet, you are my servant. So there's mm-hmm. God speaking to Isaiah, right. speaking to Israel. That's right. Okay. So um, and and what's the thrust of what we've read so far? What would you say? A summary. Uh, He's, he's pleading with Israel again to, to listen to his voice and to turn to him, mm-hmm. um, that he's going to deliver them. Okay. Um, he's, he's analyzed or he's uh, 
describing how their protection would look, um, and like the arrows in the in the, in the quiver, how the arrows hide in that that cylindrical right. uh, case, if right. you will, that the arrows hide in. So he's 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 describing Israel's protection. Okay. Yep. Uh, I also there's a couple of points in here that are interesting to me in verse one where it says, "O coastlands, mm-hmm. you peoples from afar." Both of those give you the idea of lands that are far away, like foreign nations, right? right? And then there at the end of what we read, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Mm -hmm. So this is, I think, this is a great reminder of why God blesses Israel, right? So uh, it would be easy for them to think, and it's easy for us to think, that the reason that God pays attention to us is because we're somehow better than everybody else. But that's not the case. No, the reason that God chose Israel out of every nation is because he chose them to be a light to the rest of the world. In you, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. blessed. Yeah, And so the purpose of our salvation is not just for the personal benefits that we gain from it, it is truly for the benefit of the rest of the world. It's for the people around us. It's for the neighbors. It's for not just, you know, it's it, it's for the people who are afar off, people right. who have never known the Lord, who have never o- cracked open a Bible, right? Amen. That That's why he has saved us, because he wants to have representation. He wants to have ambassadors for Christ on the earth. Right. That's important for us to remember the, the, the whole purpose of our salvation. I often uh, imagine what would it be like if uh, the moment that we got saved, we repented, dear Lord, forgive me, I'm a sinner, I want to I be right with you, and immediately God sucked us up to heaven like alien abduction or something. Sure. Uh, that would be nice for us right. <laughs> because we could be in the presence of the Lord immediately, right. but he doesn't do that. He leaves us here in this world. And he says, I want you to be in the world, but not of the world, because I need representation. I need Amen. somebody to stand in, in the world and be the hands and the feet of Jesus. Amen. That's the lesson of uh, so many, I mean, the, the, the entire history of Israel, all that God brought them through, they're still around today. Uh-huh. And why? Because they are a picture, a living picture of God's uh, protection, uh-huh. his preservation. Right? right, when all these other nations have faded into the, into the, uh, in, into history, and they have not, they're still around. Why? Right. Right. It's obvious. Like only God can God do that. Mm-hmm. So, it it it's interesting how often the, the in the prophets here it always goes back to putting our attention on the ends of the earth. Don't forget, guys. The reason that you're here is is for them. Amen. All right, you want to read some there, verse seven. This is what the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, His Holy One says, To one who is despised, to one abhorred by people, to a servant of rulers, kings will see, princes will stand up, and they will bow down because of the Lord, who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel, and He has chosen you. This is what the Lord says. I will answer you in a time of favor, and I will help you in the day of salvation. I will keep you. I will appoint you to be covenant for the people, to restore the land, 
to make them possess the desolate inheritances, saying to the prisoners, come out, and to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They will feed along the pathways, and their pastures will be on all the barren heights. They will not hunger or thirst. The scorching heat or sun will not strike them, for their compassionate one will guide them and lead them to springs. Continue. Yeah. Verse 11. I will make all my mountains into a road, and my highways will be raised up. See, these things... See, these will come far from far away, from the north and from the west and from the land of Sinim. Shout for joy, you heavens. Earth, rejoice. Mountains, break into joyful shouts. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. Mm -hmm. All right. What are, you, what are you getting out of here? What's, what's important? Uh, deliverance. He's speaking again about deliverance of e if evil. Um, any th those that ab abhor abhor you, and um, he he's going to deliver you from them. Mm -hmm. So I just basically get deliverance of Israel from from all this. Yeah, you know what I like about this section is God says, "This is what I'm going to do. Like I will preserve you." Yes. I will save you. I, you know, everybody's gonna, uh, gonna try to come against you, but I will. Uh, it's like, it's like uh, almost a guarantee of his salvation. Like you don't have to be afraid, and so that's why verse thirteen. It's like this is a great reason to be joyful. Like no matter what you're going through, no matter what attacks may come mm -hmm. against, you can still have joy and and sing. And mm -hmm. it's interesting um, how. Um, both both in Israel and in uh, in Judaism and also in Christianity are some some of the most musical people on the earth right, right? there's almost nothing that we do that doesn't include some form of music yes. right yes and that is because it's 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 a response uh -huh. to what we understand God will do for us. Right. So this is God upholding his end of the bargain that he made to right. Abraham, even though we fall short over and over and over again, right? Mm -hmm. He says, I will be faithful to the promise that I've made, to the covenant that I've made. And he, even in that, even in, um, you know, like you said, we're, we're musical people. Um, that's a celebration of, of things to come and putting our faith in, in mm -hmm. things to come. So celebrating by music and, and song yep. is a testimony of our, our faith. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Powerful. Verse 14. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me, and my Lord has forgotten me. Ah, oh, there comes the minor chord. <laughs> the minor chord. <laughs> Can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I've inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Your sons shall make haste. Your destroyers and those who laid you waste shall go away from you. Lift up your eyes, look around and see. All these gather together and come to you. As I live, says the Lord, you shall surely clothe yourselves with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. Ah, so this is, uh, this is the difference between man and God right here. Right. It's... Our forgetfulness versus his remembrance. Absolutely. 
uh, I think we mentioned yesterday, even though I didn't record it, <laughs> uh, we mentioned yesterday that forgetfulness in the Old Testament is linked with wickedness. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, there is this thought of the righteous is, is simply a choice to remember what right. God has done, and, right. and he is using this to remind them. Yeah. And he, he's using this example of a mother with her child. Mm -hmm. Like, is a mom going to just forget the little baby that needs to drink That's milk? Right. That's no, right. of course not. It's like pre-programmed, even a wicked... It's innate. Yeah, even someone who doesn't know the Lord, even someone who's living in sin, if, if a w woman has a baby, it's like impossible for her to forget about that. It's just... It's, it's instinct. It's built in. And if that's true for even, even the animal kingdom, don't we also think that, that God will never forget his children? That's right. Right? And that we are at the front of his mind, and it says, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. It's almost like a, a tattoo. Right. Right? If you ever see people that get tattoos in weird places, like <laughs> it's unforgetful. That's right. Right? It's like you, it's a constant reminder of right. a certain time and place. Right. God says, I put you right on the palm of my hand. You're going to be in front of my face That's right. every day. You, yeah. you mentioned yesterday also about the, uh, the forgetfulness is, is, is synonymous with ungratefulness, right. which was awesome analogy. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Verse 19, you want to read? Verse 19. For your waste and desolate places and your land marked by ruins will now be indeed too small for the inhabitants. And those who swallowed you up will be far away. Yet as you listen, the children that you have been deprived of will say, This place is too small for me. Make room so that I may settle. Then you will say within yourself, Who fathered these for me? I was depraved of my children and unable to conceive, exiled and wandering. But who brought them up? See, I was left by myself. But these, where did they come from? Okay, so um, let's get a little context here. Um, the what, what is the reason why Zion is saying back in verse 14 that the Lord has forsaken me, my Lord has forgotten me? Well, the reason is because... God knows that there's something terrible coming, right. that they're going to be carried off into exile, exile. Uh, mm -hmm. that Babylon is going to come and uh, do some terrible things, mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to be carried away against their wishes, and, um, and, and so God is, is comforting them mm -hmm. in, in that tragedy. So there's also a powerful lesson there is that God... He does never. He never guarantees that he will keep us from the difficult things of life, mm -hmm. but he does guarantee that he'll be with us in the midst of it, and he will never forget us. That's the context of what this whole this section is about. He says, even though uh, bad things are going to happen, mm -hmm. your nation is going to be attacked. Your you're, you'll be carried off into exile. You're going to be made into slaves, but. Mm -hmm. I will remember you, and more than that, um, it says, the land of your destruction will even now be too small for the inhabitants. So he's talking now about Jerusalem. He's talking about Israel. He's saying, listen, guys, um, I know it's going to be hard for you to think about this, but there will come a time when Jerusalem 
is not big enough mm -hmm. to contain all the people yep. that I'm going to bring back. That's right. And gosh, that prophecy has come to pass yes. in modern times, hasn't it? it has. And uh, Israel today is is uh, is thriving and expanding. Absolutely. So, um, so this is an encouragement that in the midst of suffering, that we can have an eye toward the future. And even the, the, the Jewish people for all these thousands of years, they have a saying mm -hmm. that they, they greet one another with, or when they're saying goodbye to each other, they always say, next year in Israel, or next year in Jerusalem, right? Right. Have you heard that? I've heard it. Yeah. So some places. Yeah. If, if there's, I mean, that's kind of just, even the, even those who maybe are not religious, um, that's, that's just what they say as a farewell, farewell. Uh, next year in Jerusalem. <laughs> and that comes from the, the thousands of years of believing God, right. believing His Word right. in places like this in here in Isaiah. So even though Jerusalem was in the hands of a thousand kings and conquerors over the years, they say, no, next year. That's right. Next year, Jerusalem. Looking to the future. <laughs> that's right. Looking forward to God's promise. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that's a lesson that, that, that we need to carry with us as well as, you know. The example. Mm -hmm. We... we um, we should always have an eye on the next thing that God is doing and where he is taking us. And, and really that culminates in, in the return of the Lord. And the, the, the Bible calls the great day of the Lord right. when he returns to take his place. And yeah, we should live every day as if that was going to happen in the next five minutes. That would That's revolutionize right. That's our right. lives. That's right. All right, verse uh, 22. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will lift my hand in an oath to the nations. Set up my standard for the peoples. They shall bring your sons in their arms, and your daughters shall be carried on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers, and queens your nursing mothers. They shall bow down to you with their faces to the earth, and pick up, uh, lick up the dust of your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord, for they shall not be ashamed who wait for me. Shall the prey be taken from the mighty, or the captives of the righteous be delivered? Thus says the Lord, even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible be delivered. For I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save your children. I will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh, and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob, God of Jacob. Interesting. Okay, what what uh, what stood out to you there? That he'd make them destroy themselves. Mm. Their oppressors will, will will destroy themselves. Yep. Uh, so not not by the Israelites' hands, but by by God's hand. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's it's like it reads in here. You know, I will make them eat their own flesh. That's pretty graphic, but it's it's basically saying, hey, you're gonna. They're going to destroy themselves, mm -hmm. their oppressors. And really, that's, that's the end of sin anyway, right? Mm -hmm. The end of all sin is a self-destruction. Mm -hmm. It's not a God-destruction. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, I've heard people say that, um, that hell is a prison that's locked from the inside. It's God, God does not bring people kicking and screaming to heaven. Right. People choose to go to hell because they would rather be separated from God right, because of this. Right. So it's a self-destruct. And that, that's, that's when, when we oppose or, or when, when the nations of the earth in this context oppose God's people, it is a, a self-destruct. It's kind of like uh, the picture of uh, 
the generation of Noah, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So they opposed Noah and his preaching and his uh, building of the ark. But you know what? <laughs> there's only there's only one family that survived. That's right. That day, and that was the one that that God had spoken to, and He even gave people the opportunity. Hey, guys, the the flood is coming, uh, but they mocked Him and they persecuted Him, and uh, it's such a picture of the righteous right. for all generations. Um, it's not that Noah Noah didn't get in. I mean, he wasn't out there slaying the, the wicked. Right. No, it was just a, It was their own. Bad decisions that led them to destruction. Right. And it's the same thing that's in Romans 1, where Paul says um, that w- when you are involved in this activity that dishonors God, God says, okay, I just, I'll just i give you up to a debased mind, right? right. And, and you're going to fulfill what that leads to. That's it's like right. it just plays out. And we can all testify with our own lives that in every area that we do not submit or surrender to God, those are the areas where we experience pain and heartbreak That's right. and separation from the Lord. But in every area that we give to Him and say, God, um, my life is yours. That's right. In every part of our lives, marriage, children, God, I give these things to you. Then that's where we find God's blessing and protection and provision. Amen, right? amen. Yeah. And that, uh, that leads to a much better life where you don't have to seek vengeance for everything that happens to you. That's right. That's right. Israel is not consumed by, by you know, by seeking out vengeance on every enemy. That's right. Uh, they just say, you know what, God, you can protect us. You develop this peace of mind knowing mm-hmm. that, that God will deliver as He promises. Yeah, that reminds me. Of, go ahead. Yeah, even in even in areas of of of, of hardship, um, food, mm-hmm. um, one's appetite can consume them um, until we rest in God's promise of His deliverance to even deliver us from the oppression. Uh, and and the sinful nature of of over consuming food. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he will sustain Jesus forty days and forty nights. He could he could sustain us the same. Absolutely. Um, it reminds me of Jesus as he stood before Pilate. You know, here's a guy who's a Roman governor has the power and the authority to destroy him, mm-hmm. but Jesus. He doesn't fear this guy. That's right. He, he's Pilate's like, don't you understand that I have the power in my hands? I have the authority to to put you on the cross. Right. And Jesus is like, you don't have any authority that my Father hasn't given you. That's right. <laughs> and, it's, and so it gives us a confidence. It gives us um, a faith that, hey, no matter what's happening in the world around us, whether it's good things or bad things, we can be confident in our relationship mm-hmm. right, with God. So that, that's really powerful. Amen. So how are we doing on time? 719. Okay. <laughs> Let's go to our New Testament okay. section. And um, for those who are following along, our reading today includes chapter 50. So go back and read that before the end of the day would be great. And then we are jumping to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Dave, you going to join us? All right, man. Good to see you. So, podcast is out. Okay. All right. Verse uh, 17. Go ahead. Therefore, I say this and testify in the Lord. You should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thoughts. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God 
Because of the ignorance that is in them and because of the hardness of their hearts, they became callous and gave themselves over to promiscuity for the practice of every kind of impurity with a desire for more and more. But that is not how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus to take off your former way of life, the old self, that is corrupted by deceitful desires to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self, the one created, according to God's likeness and his righteousness and purity of the truth. That's a good stuff. Oh, man. It's, <laughs> it's so uh, common with, uh, with the epistles of Paul. It's just so dense. There's mm-hmm. so much in there to unpack. Mm-hmm. But... Um, what I would like to highlight from from this is is the image that Paul gives of living for Christ. Living for Christ is like putting on a garment, and he kind of uses this language that you put off or you remove your former conduct, the old man, this is in verse 22, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lusts, and being renewed in the spirit of your mind, you are putting on a new man, right. which was created according to God. Mm-hmm. So the image is of a garment, that there there was this garment, and it it's almost gives you the image of like, a, like a, a jacket that is weighing you down, right? And it's uh, maybe maybe even the idea of like, a, like this, this jacket is corrupt mm-hmm. and it's destroying you and it's filthy and even maybe it's on fire so if, if you the back of your jacket catches on fire man you got to get that thing off quick that's right otherwise it'll consume you and um and so but what's cool about this is that the christian life is not just about taking off the old garment it's also about putting on the new one. a new one amen this is a mistake that i've seen people make is when they come to christ yeah God deals with them, the Spirit of God deals with them to put off their former life, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. To to stop doing the evil activities, right? Mm-hmm. And to, you know, quit cussing or smoking or whatever it is that God, that was destroying our lives. But if we don't replace the old life right. with a new life, then it's, it's only setting us up for failure. That's right. So we also have to remember at the same time that... There is this renewing of the mind. Be renewed, verse 23, mm-hmm. in the spirit of your mind. And that means that our life needs to be changing. That uh, obedience to Christ means putting on a new man. So God didn't just save us to be free from the old life. That's right. He saved us to become slaves of Christ, That's right? right? That's to right. become new people in him. So put on the new garment. And that means a life of good works. That's right. Amen. <laughs> um, not not to point out any one generation, but that's all that's that's key into putting on the the new life. Um, in the Old Testament, I think a reference to the ephod right. uh, was similar to uh, this description. Um, it's work. It takes work to uh, to 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 focus your 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 behavior to changing your language, changing the way you eat, changing even the way you dress. Mm-hmm. Um, it's work. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, we do that, and we, we, we cast off the old man by the power of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and dawn the new man. It's work. Yep. So we are new creations in Christ. Absolutely. And that means that, again, 
that God is plugging us into a greater purpose than just ourselves. That's right. Just like Israel. I didn't just save you because I like you better than other people, mm -hmm. but because I want you to be an example of what I can do in people's lives. And that's what Christians today need to understand is that, man, it's not just we were in the right place at the right time and we just got lucky and yeah. we won the lottery. Right. And, right. and so that means we can s stop acting like idiots with our lives, you That's know. Right. But it's so much more than that. It's, it's now, it's a surrender. And that happens, it's so quick that he mentions it there, that uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So much of the Christian life is the Lord changing our mind. That's right. Because everything that we do begins with a thought. Right. Begins with an idea. You know, I hear that's 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 absolutely correct, and it's the battle does start in the mind, and I 100% agree. I hear these the, the youth today when um, in churches uh, with the, I'm saved by grace, so I don't have to do anything um, because I'm saved by grace. But that's such a a, a, a wrong view. Uh, but like here it says in Ephesians, we must put on a new man, and that requires doing something, not yep. sitting back and just saying, oh. I'm saved, and now I can just sit back and relax, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not what God did. That's right. That's, uh, <laughs> he didn't sit back and wait for that's us right. to come to him. He, right. he reached out to that's us. Right. He sent his Holy Spirit every day to convict us of our sins. And finally, when we listened to him, <laughs> we repented. That's right. He sent the Holy Spirit again to renew us, to change us. And so uh, it's a proactive that's faith, right? right? So when, right. When, we, when we surrender to him, we put on this new man that is in Christ, uh, created according to God, it says there, 24, a new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So do you know who that new man is? That new man that we are putting on like a new garment, like a, some fresh threads? Uh, we, we are putting on the person that we are going to be for eternity. Amen. So the, the old one, the one that you're used to, mm -hmm. <laughs> the one that you look mm -hmm. at in the mirror every day, that is the person that's passing away Amen. and fading into history. But the person that will last forever Amen. is that new man, which is in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's the one we need to, we need to figure out how to, um, how to strengthen him, Absolutely. right? And how to uh, encourage him. So like this prayer meeting that we were here this morning, this Bible study yep. started as a, as a thought. That's right. It was a thought. That's right. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit. And... Uh, so that means that, you know, the time we went to bed last night, we're in our mind, okay, I got to be at church at this time. So I got to get up at this time, which means I got to take a shower at this time, right? That's and right. so that, that's true for every little thing that God is doing in our lives. Amen. And um, if, if so, so like for tonight, uh, we're preparing for our new believers class. That's going to be at seven o'clock. That means I'm planning out my day. Amen. It's in my mind before it even takes place. And, but that's true for everything that God is doing in our lives. Right. And it's not to say that we can plan out everything that God's doing, of course, but it's to say that we, as God renews our mind, that's how we put on this new man, this, this new person that's in Christ. Amen. Store up those treasures. Absolutely. Yeah. That's powerful. All right. What do we got here? Verse 25. Therefore, put away lying. Oh, man, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but 
but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. What's coming to your mind as you're hearing those words? Living upright, living a righteous life, being honest, uh, honesty, um, non-exaggerating, a non-exaggerated, non-exaggerated life. Um, this is this is a representation of, of of the kingdom, how we're supposed to represent the kingdom. And when people look at us, they see honesty, mm-hmm. they see uprightness um, as a representation of, a, of of the kingdom of God. I often see. Or heard people say, "Well, I, I'm not going to be a Christian because this this Christian does this, this, and that, and it's not what I think Christianity should be." And Paul outlines what we're supposed to look like here yeah. to some degree, um, not in its in its entirety of of, of, our, of describing the Christian, but some key points and how we're supposed to live a life in Christ because mm-hmm. we're sealed. Definitely, yeah. So, um, yeah, I heard a story yesterday about a guy. We were doing a financial peace university here, and uh, they, they had a story of a guy who said exactly that to him. And um, he said, yeah, you know, Christians, they, they ripped me off. And I, I went to this church, and nobody, everybody's a hypocrite over there, and this guy's listening to it. And he was going through this uh, financial peace university class, and, and God was really helping him with his finances and stuff. And so, um, so he had on his key ring, he had an extra key for his other car that that was outside and he says you know what uh and by the way this guy who was talking bad about christianity he was having trouble with his vehicle and so he says you know what uh you know i can't speak for all those other christians but i want to show you what real christianity looks like and he took a key off of his key ring and he gave this guy the car that was sitting in his driveway he says you know what uh that car means less to me than than your idea of what a Christian is. And so this is what Christianity really looks like. And the guy walks out of his house with a new car that day. And, um, and that goes back to kind of to what we've been saying already is that we're representing the kingdom of God with our lives. And if we take that seriously, that means that we should not be living the life that this world, uh, that is common to this world. So things like lying, right? Mm -hmm. So every time I, I see these, um, prohibitions against evil, I think about what does that say about God and his kingdom? So if we are supposed to put away lying, that means that we should value the truth, right? Let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So the reason why Christians shouldn't be lying is because the truth, uh, Jesus, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We cannot know him unless we are well-versed in truth. And yeah, the truth, Jesus said, will set you free, but the truth can often be very painful mm-hmm. because we have to deal with things in our own lives, right? right? Um, I might have uh, a lot of strengths going for me, but the truth is that there are areas of weakness. And as human beings, we have the ability to focus in on the things that we do well right. and ignore the things that we're not doing well. Mm-hmm. And But if we are people of truth, if we're not lying to ourselves... It means that I have to focus my attention on those areas of my Amen. life Amen. that need improvement, that, God, you've got to help me That's right. with 
my marriage. You've got to help me areas of weakness where I'm still prideful, where there's still ego that is not dealt with, right? That's so, right. so that's that's what it means to be a person of truth. I have to focus in on what still needs to be changed. Be angry and do not sin. Amen. Um, that's a big one. Yeah, um, because it's so easy to fall into that because. It's what we talked about yesterday. We see injustice all around right, us, right. and the, the the source of anger is injustice. Right. And it's okay to be angry about injustice, but it's not okay to dwell on it. That's right. Um, be angry, but do not sin in your anger. So Jesus got angry too mm-hmm. when there was sin occurring in the, in the temple. He turned over the tables. Absolutely. But he didn't sit there with his arms folded, stewing about it. Right. Mm-hmm. So he he did what needed to be done. But he didn't, he didn't let his anger lead him to sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. I think about people who remain in anger mm-hmm. for days, weeks, months, years, decades. Yep. This is what leads literally to the breaking down of people's bodies. The health issues, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. This is where stress and anxiety comes from. It's because of an injustice. And really what's at the heart of that, it's a lack of faith. That's right. It says, God, I don't trust you that you are going to take care of this. That's right. So that means I have to take care of it. That's right. I have to pay a price. I think Pastor, Gray, Pastor Greg yep. who was here previously. He made a mention uh, that to me was really important when one is seeking healing is to pray for the, the riddance of, of anger right. uh, and frustration against a brother. Uh, even Jesus talks about when you have an issue against your brother at the altar, you go reconcile yep. that before you offer up your, your your sacrifice at the altar. Yep. So it, it, it my um, it's so true that the stress it puts on your body just manifests over time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a it takes a toll on your body. There's a book mind. actually that uh, it, it's written by from a doctor's perspective, and mm-hmm. it's called The Body Pays the Price. That's right. And um, and he talks about the spiritual sources for physical maladies that we have. And, uh, yeah, and not only is it physically harmful, but there it says in 27, do not give place to the devil. Mm-hmm. So it creates an opening for the demonic to, to gain entrance. There's also another book called The Bait of Satan. Uh-oh. Uh, um, I'm going to forget the author's name. Bevere, I think, John Bevere. But he, uh, yeah, he makes a point in that book that the way that the devil gains entrance into churches, into marriages, into people's minds is with offense. Absolutely. So when there's an offense, and Jesus said offenses will come, right? Every day we have a chance to be offended. Um, and that opens a door, if we allow it to, for the enemy to come in and to begin messing with us, our minds mm-hmm. and our hearts. So much of that anger, um, uh, it, it would be one thing if we could get through the offense and you know still keep our heart right. But there's so much more than that, that the, the, the demonic gets involved uh, between people and causes division. Okay, wow, so much here. Um, so, so when you see the prohibition, you think about the value of the kingdom. We see put away lying, that means God values truth. Be angry, that means God values peace. Amen. God values reconciliation and justice. Um, let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor. So stealing is not just about taking other people's stuff. It's about God's value of property. Right. Like there is built into the kingdom this idea of ownership, That's right. right? 
So that goes back to the Ten Commandments, that it is righteous and it is a good thing for people to own things, That's right? right? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so uh, stealing, uh, and there's a lot of commentary that we could have on our world today <laughs> yeah. about s- stuff that's happening around us where people feel that they have the right to take or, or to destroy what belongs to other people. Amen. That is not of the kingdom. Um, so, uh, and the reason why God says this is important is because, look at verse, uh, I guess that's 28 again, mm-hmm. that he may have something to give him who has need. Right. So how are we supposed to help other people? How are we supposed to be a blessing in the world mm-hmm. if we have nothing to give right. to them? Absolutely. That's why property is important. It's not just to enrich ourselves. It is so that we can be generous. Mm-hmm. This is the end goal of property. And, and so there's, you know, there's dangers all around this. That the danger that we fall in love with our stuff right. and we hold on to it. That's one danger that G- Jesus uh, he speaks to the rich young ruler, and he said, you know, sell all you have and give to the poor. He didn't say that to everyone, but he did say it to that man because mm-hmm. he had fallen in love That's right. with what he owned. And, uh, and so the, the, the whole idea behind that is, is that I want you to be able, again, to be my representatives That's on right. the earth and to show what the kingdom is really like. Right. You can't really do that unless you have something that you own that That's you right. can truly give. That's right. So, um, powerful. What do you think about that? Yeah, um, in, uh, maybe you could speak to the, the level of, of spiritual maturity in, 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 in understanding what that means. Is it, does it mean run out and go grab every homeless guy and bring him into your family and your home? Um, I think not. But some who are in positions to to house homeless, for example, um, I think the, the wisdom of God, you know, uh, places that on us to do that uh, in a timely timely manner and in due season. Right. Um, I've dealt with, you know, the frustration of ever seeing homeless on the side of the street and thinking I should just pick them up and go and take them to my family. Right. Um, but it doesn't really necessarily mean that. It means just being prepared. Uh, when the opportunity is is uh, is available to, yeah. to 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 offer that assistance to those that are Absolutely. in need, there, there's a lot of uh, factors involved. Of course, when when you're dealing with people in need, sometimes people are out there on the street yes. because they want to be there, yes. uh, because they've burned every bridge. Yes. Um, but you're right that typically in in the history of the church, the source of charity has been the Church of Jesus Christ. Amen. We have, by and large, in in our generation. We have put that responsibility onto the government. We've we've asked Uncle Sam, we've asked our local leaders, and we say the church doesn't want to do this anymore. Right. So you guys do it. And guess what? They don't do a very good job. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and where they are, where they are helping people, they're doing so without a spiritual mindset. Right. They're simply filling the needs of the body, making sure there's a roof over the head. And those are you know those are important things also. Absolutely. But if we do that and we don't focus on the spiritual needs that are behind those physical needs, mm-hmm. then guess what? It leads right back to the same place. Amen. It's like trying to heal a gaping wound with a Band-Aid, right? right? right. And so this ought to be the church's responsibility. And ch- churches do should have um, some priority for uh, helping the community. As, and especially... What the Bible says, widows and orphans, right? right? So right. James says this is the this is the definition of true religion is caring for widows and orphans. Right. In our generation, who is widows and orphans? Single moms. Single moms. Yep, single moms working three jobs, 
to care for their babies. That's right. And uh, those are the people that ought to be at the, the top of our list. Amen. And so, you know, the, the guys that are out on the street, yeah, I mean, we're, we're not closed off. We're not, we're not um, embittered toward those people. It's nothing like that. But, um, you know, be led by the Holy Spirit. That's right. So, so often, you know, I, I've, I saw a, uh, uh, we're going to run out of time here, but I, I saw a special on, on people who, you know, stand by the side of the road with a sign asking for money. And, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of people who are manipulating. Yes. Right? So they're standing out there and they're making 20, 30 bucks an hour. Sure. <laughs> and then they, you know, they, they're probably not in as much need as they present. Right. But also, we shouldn't be jaded by that. That's we, sh- right. we should still be open to how the Holy Spirit leads us. That's right. And, um, but, but having said all that, I think our focus really needs to be on those in our community, those who are right down the street from us, single moms, broken families. Because when we help those situations, um, we as the church, we are better equipped to do this right. than the government is. Right. We are better equipped than our local city officials because we come with the perspective of, I'm going to buy you some groceries, yes, and I'm going to help you f- for your food source this week, but I'm also going to tell you about the spiritual needs behind this. What you really need to do is serve the Lord, right? right? right. And when, when the church cares for people in that way, that's what really changes generations. That's, That's what right. changes, um, you know, the, the future for those children. That's right. And even the Holy Spirit in our lives can, can um, guide us to help them understand how mm-hmm. to serve the Lord. Uh, and maybe even more than just a handout, but to give someone an opportunity. Absolutely. To a do. job. Mm-hmm. Real work. That's right. So you feed a, you know, you teach a man to fish. Right. You feed him for life. Yep. And that's exactly what our scripture said. It said, uh, let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give. And uh, later it says uh, that if a man refuses to work, let him also not eat. If we, if we would institute that as a public policy, our world would be very different. That's right. <laughs> so, all right, Ephesians is done. We've also got Psalm 69 today. And we've also got Proverbs 24, a wise man is strong, yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Ah, multitude a, of counselors. There's a, a lot to be said about that too. That's right. <laughs> um, the value of relationships in life. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 uh, it's unsafe to be isolated. That's right. We find... We find um, uh, comfort, we find wisdom when we have people who can speak into our lives. Amen. Yeah. So, counselors. praise the Lord. Amen. How are you feeling today? Awesome. I enjoyed the <laughs> lesson. I enjoyed. I'm fired up and ready to rock and roll mm. today for God. Well, I'm excited for tonight. We're going to be having a, a new converts class. I'm excited about that. I've been laying out our, uh, our curriculum for the next few weeks, okay. and so I'm excited to present... Uh, Part one. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right, guys. So thanks for listening, and we'll we'll talk to you soon.